Hey guys, and welcome to our brand new episode with Mr. Andy Ramage. Uh, in this episode, we're covering everything from diet to nutrition to Andy's brand new book, Let's Do This. And we're really excited to speak about the misconceptions of motivation and the vegan versus carnivore diet battle. Let's do this. This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Elstal, and Ian McKenzie. And welcome to episode, I'm going to say two of the year, or three of the year. Yeah, episode two. chapter two, it chapter series episode? two. No, chapter two, episode three. Wow, okay, chapter two, episode, episode three. three of Not the two. Dog Days podcast. I hope you like our new artwork that we just put out. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to that. Um, and we are joined by a guest that we've been joined by before, but he comes under a new guise. Half French. Half French, <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he was born in a small town called Lilliput. Dargenham, I was born. Oh, Dargenham. <laughs> and if you didn't know already, that was the voice of Andy Ramar. Oh. Andy, very nice to see you. How are you yeah, doing? thank you for having me back. I think that might be a first, is it? No, nearly, oh, nearly. Josh Connolly has, has been actually been three times on the podcast. Oh, really? You've got, you've got <laughs> go away, Josh. You've got two more to come back. To. Right, got it. Got it. Take it Josh has it. been more than Pooch. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made more appearances. Yeah, um, but no, mate. Thanks for joining us today on our on our month and theme around diet and nutrition. Um, obviously, we're not calling you the Gandhi of diet and nutrition, but you've created a book. Uh, literally, that's been launched this month called Let's Do This, um, a book that I've noted here that you called an unapologetically positive book, um, basing really around sort of motivation and the misconceptions of motivation, which I want to dig into in a bit. Um, but just so we know, where did this come from? Um, it is also called Let's Do This, if I haven't said that. Um, and, and Ian is pointing very subtly to the, the thing underneath it, which says, how to use motivational psychology to change your habits for life. Boom, there you go. Now, where did this come from? Um, it came from my experience with one you know beer. If, right. if we don't know, I'll just quickly ex- explain that. So six years ago, we set up a business that does good in the world called oneyouknowbeer.com, which inspires people to take a break from alcohol. What happened through that process was that people would take a break from alcohol, they'd feel amazing, they'd get their energy back, their time back, and their clarity back. And then about 90 days into that, I'd sort of get these requests of, like, what next? Mm. Now I've got my energy, I've got my mojo, I want to do something, I want to find my meaning and purpose, maybe I want to get fit, I want to get healthy, I want to change my diet, all of these wonderful things. So I started to put on these masterclasses specifically for those people that were 90 days and beyond on their alcohol-free adventure. And from that learning, having run that for many, many years now, um, I started to uncover a set of skills and techniques that actually were applicable to any goal. Right. Whether that was to take a break from alcohol, whether that was to transform your diet, whether that was to get moving your body. And really, that's the foundation of the book. It's all that good learning, all that experience, all the science. Then I went back and did degrees and master's degrees and mm. just sort of pulled it all together in a format that hopefully will help the reader sort of hold their hand through any change, nice. whether, again, that's around nutrition and diet and whatnot. So I think it's, uh, firstly, because Ian, Ian's actually bought it without even knowing that you were coming on. Um, bought it, you know, all of us are really G'd up. It is January. Um, mm. and, and I think there's, there is so, and you said there's a motivation misconception. There are so many sort of fad ideas around so what's It's the month January. of 
temporary diets. Yeah, <laughs> and even in, in the last podcast that we just recorded, there was this kind of there's a, there was a movement against diets that's happening, and I think quite in, in quite a big way, where it's this kind of temporary band aid solution on a problem, because you either make these wild goals for you know in 2020 I want to go to the gym five times a week, bearing in mind you haven't been to the gym in two months, mm. and I want to do all these big things. By the end of the year, I want to save 25 grand, even though you're two grand into your overdraft. We all make these, and all of us, I've done it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe even to those figures, right? So, but we all make these mistakes, and then we set these wild goals and forget really the creating the pathways to get there. So I think this came at a really good time for Ian. Like, is that Ian? Yeah, I just want to add to that as well. Mm. Yeah, you, no, you summarised it, and and just on top of that, and something that you touch upon in the book, what you're talking about there is is uh, relying on a lot of willpower. So you've mentioned that within the book. So for example. Like, I even had it at the start of this year. I had this, like, wild fitness sort of vision, like I always bloody do. And um, unless you actually put a plan in motion, in motion, you're just relying on willpower, and at any moment, at any time, you can just lose that willpower. Well, that's if, the you, thing. if you don't have a structure in place, if you're not mm. introducing a new way of life... It runs out, doesn't it? It's it like a gas run, tank. Yeah, it just runs it, out. It's, it's, it's weird how it, one day it's just... Yeah, I don't want that anymore. Yeah, where did that... Because that's... Again, going back to someone we had on here before, we had John Dicey on, and we spoke about giving up smoking. Again, a common thing that you do in the beginning of the year when you give up smoking. Okay, that's very good. But people, and I reckon most people when they give up smoking do it on willpower alone. But this is almost a way of saying it's actually it's a lot more simple than that. And if you break it down, you can make that goal achievable. But before we put words in your mouth, what is the process? And what have you done yeah, so just even talking about willpower, mm. as we said, it's like a metaphorical muscle. All the research is there that shows us that. And the way they found this out was quite interesting. What they would do is they would um, take a group of people and they'd put them in front of um, some cookies, for example, and they'd sit them, you know, they'd be hungry in front of these luscious cookies, but they weren't allowed to eat the cookies. There was another group that could eat the cookies and there was another group that could only have radishes. And then they'd put them on this impossible puzzle task and the reason it's called the impossible puzzle task because it's impossible. Right. And it's a real good psychological measure of willpower, how long people actually keep trying to figure this thing out before they go, this bloody puzzle's impossible, mm. and give up. And what they found, which was really interesting, those people that were put in front of the cookies but allowed to eat them lasted about 20 minutes. Those people that had either option um, lasted about 20 minutes. Those people that weren't even involved, like the control group, lasted 20 minutes. But the people that were sat in front of the cookies but could only eat the radishes, lasted eight minutes. It's mm. amazing, isn't it? So what was going on? They were using their willpower to resist the temptation of the cookies. So by the time they came to this impossible puzzle task, they'd used up or depleted their willpower, essentially. So they gave up. Like, I mean, that's a huge difference between the two. Yeah, cool. So it was a really obvious um, example of how our willpower runs out. So it's like anything. If you've got a stressful job and you're resisting the temptation to scream at your boss all the time, you're using willpower. If you try and take on too many goals at once that are all running, running on willpower, like getting super fit, transforming your diet, saving for a house, you're just going to run out of willpower. And I think that's what tends to happen. Yeah. Then it all just, they all collapse at once. So a big part of the book is to focus on one goal and one goal only. Mm. And that freaks people out first, because as you said, everyone on the 1st of Jan wants to be super fit, super healthy, save for a house, power up their career, mm. and a millionaire. Just, yeah, I mean, you write the laundry list, don't you? Especially, you're, it's, it's like the end of 2019, you've had a bit of a boozy sort of Christmas potentially and then you start like okay what am I doing for next year and then you get that long list and that's what I really liked about your pro approach because it's a way to technically do uh, 12 goals and if you were to complete 12 of your goals every year you'd be you know really really on top of the mood and the reason why 
it's 12 goals, I, I would presume, I guess, because if it's 28 days and then obviously uh, that's pretty much a month, so there's 12 months in a year and it, and it, and it seems to be an approach where you could do one goal uh, each month. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's sort of the idea. So it's not that you'd even complete the goal necessarily mm. at the end of 28 days because some goals take lo a lot longer than that, but it was back to your point, um, Ollie, earlier that the idea behind this is you do the work on one goal to get it to that place where it's almost a subconscious habit or routine. Mm. So you start to become someone that moves their body every day. Mm. You start to become someone that eats in a certain way. I had a really good quote on that. Someone, yeah, I've, I've, somebody said, whether you're exercising, whether you're lying on a sofa, whether you're just scrolling on your phone mindlessly, you're training your body to do that thing. You're telling yourself a narrative, aren't you? Yeah, and you're living by it. So it's like you're, the more time you spend doing those things mm. mindlessly, you are literally training your body to do that. That's dangerous. Is that scary? Oh, like yes. Yeah. The, the way that you... You, you forget that you can train your body negatively to do something. Exactly, unless you take this conscious control yeah. of it. And I think that's what's really important. And behind the book is that you go all in on one goal mm. and you try to get it as close to that place as possible, i.e. you start to become someone that moves their body every day, as I said, or eats in a certain way. And then at that point there, you can then move on to your next goal because that's sort of running on autopilot effectively. So there is the option. Obviously, 28 days is a rough estimate. Mm. Some goals mm. are going to take much longer than that. But the idea being that you might get to the end of the year and even if you complete your top six goals, like, that's totally unheard of. Mm. You know, usually you look at a New Year's resolution list, you basically just repeat it the next year and the next year. It looks exactly yeah, the same. Yeah. Linking yeah. back to that. I looked to my old moleskin, sorry. No, no, go on. I was my old link back to moleskin journal is the last three years and it's... Why am I buying a moleskin journal to write the same thing every <laughs> single year? It's really frustrating. What, what were you going to no, say? No, I was just going, linking back to obviously what you said about willpower and diet. It's funny because on that podcast you sent me the other day, the guy, um, Eyal, what's his name? Near uh, Eyal. Yeah, he yeah. talks about people going on, like they say they're going to complete a 31-day challenge or a 31-day diet, and you use all that willpower up, and then it gets to the day when you finish that thing, and then on that first day back, you just go back to your original self. Except yeah. it's like an elastic band. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like an elastic band. So you're like, bam, 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 and then bam, and you go back to your normal habits. And then he also said, and then going back to you say about making realistic goals, is have uh, minimal enjoyable goals, enjoyable actions that you can mm. take and use, basically. So small actions that obviously then grow. Yeah, so it's like if you, if you wanted to start running, for example, the minimal, minimum enjoyable action is him feeling the wind in his hair. So that was how he started. And it's quite similar to James Clear on... on at the top what does that mean, sorry? What do you mean? So the minimum enjoyable action is of the thing that you want to do. Let's say the goal is to start being healthier and then you break that down, it's going running once a day. Okay, mm -hmm. I haven't run for two years, what should I do? Focusing on the part of the run that you enjoy. And there's this, there's this theory that you can play anything. You can, it, For a task that you find really mundane and boring, if the minute you start to enjoy the minimum enjoyable asset of that or action of the, of the thing, like this guy, his example was feeling the wind in his head, mm. if you focus it around that, then suddenly it becomes, a th again, habitualized and you, you're, after then you're feeling the thing on your feet or whatever. It feels like that, again, it goes back to the beginnings of the three feet around you, what can you do to enjoy it as it starts? Th this is really interesting because mm. this is what's in the book. In many ways, I talk about motivation changes. Mm. This is a really key point that most people miss. So... I think it goes back to the why myth. And what I mean by the why myth, have you heard of Simon Sinek? Yeah. yeah, right, yeah we've yeah. all heard of that. Read his books, uh, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, Start With Your Why. Mm. I love all that stuff, yeah. right? And it, I think it's, it's really powerful. But when you actually start to unpick it a bit, finding that one super-duper-whooper-powered yeah. why 
it's like a 10,000 to one shot. Yeah, but so. sort of, there's been this cultural mythology that all we need is a Perfect. flip chart yeah. and a couple of red pens, whatever whatever it is we want to do, right? And we'll go, let's just find that one wire <laughs> and then da-da, I'll have you know, motivation forever on tap. And what happens is we do that and then two weeks later we give up. Has anyone we go, done how did that happen? Like, it's, it's easy for him to look at Apple and go, they're wires to me. Da, da, da. Was it weird? Did they actually, at the beginning, in 1980, whenever it was, go... Oh, why is this? No. I, I just don't believe anyone starts with a why. No, I, lo I love the concept, and the idea is really important mm. because whys are important to motivation, but you need more than that, and this is exactly what you've just said. So what I found, especially around alcohol, right, because lots of people will have really big whys around alcohol. I'm doing it for my children, right? Stuff like that is really powerful, and it's really then disappointing two weeks later when you have a drink. It's like, well, I must be broken. I'm doing something wrong. Everyone else has got a perfect why. But the truth is, no one has. And I think if you look at Viktor Frankl and his book, Man's Search for Meaning, which was amazing. I don't know if you read that book. He was a, a Holocaust survivor. But I think if we're all put in a certain circumstances and conditions, we have the ability to produce this amazing why that's going to help us survive effectively. But when you're just trying to lose a bit of weight, it's a completely different thing, if you know what I mean. So I think people fall into this trap around the wise. So what I talk about in the book is that motivation changes, you have to change with it. And it's exactly that. Your whys get you started. So if you want to change your diet, for example, it might be because actually I want to do it for the environment. Mm. Maybe you're getting on the, the plant-based thing. Really powerful, right? Load up all of your whys. Your whys will get you started. But when you get into that one or two weeks, you need a different type of motivation. And it's exactly what you were just talking about. You focus on the present moment wins. What is this thing actually giving you? What is eating in this way giving you in the moment? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel more energized? Like in the moment, not in the past, not in the future. What is this thing giving so you? It's becoming more output focused. So it's, it's more results orientated. You know, you started doing this thing, okay, you've got the motivation to start it. Yep. But to carry it on, to make it become your habit, what do you enjoy about the action of doing this thing and therefore the result? Yeah, exactly. Right. And then that changes the focus and it changes your motivation. You're, I tell you where this dawned on me, a guy called Ross Edgley. You familiar with Ross Edgley? Mm -hmm. Swam around the whole circumference of the UK. Jesus. It's like an insane feat that they think may never, ever be repeated. He slept on a boat. It took him weeks and weeks. It's just nuts. Is right? that how he went around? He just doesn't hold anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> little road at night <laughs> and no one's looking. Oh, I've done really well. Yeah. Um, this guy's insane. Check him out. He's, he's, he's fantastic. But anyway, so when you listen to his story, right, and he starts out on this adventure, this motivational adventure, which mm. it is, it's like insane. He says all those classic things, all those classic whys, like I'm doing it for my family, I'm doing it to improve that, that, you know, the body can last a certain distance and go through all this endurance, I'm doing it to, you know, make people proud. And then when he starts his swim, within six hours, everything's changed, the gloves are off, it's like, why are you doing this thing? He's like... I just want to be warm. I just want to eat. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, but do you see what I mean? He was really lucky. He changed his motivation. He, he didn't once after that mention his family or his yeah. friends or being mm -hmm. proud. It was like, I am swimming so I can eat. I'm swimming so I can get warm. I'm swimming so I can get my companionship. And he just used that as his fuel mm. to keep him going. It was really clever because most people wouldn't adapt like that and they'd still be clinging to those whys going, I want to make my family proud. Yeah. I can't be asked. I'm out. This is a horrific. So, so for the everyday person, so I, I get that. That saying like when I'm running even when I've actually managed to get the effort to do it um or for example if I was in flow of cooking myself healthy food why why is it that you can always have those cravings again for for rubbish food you even know that you know that they're bad for you do you know what I mean so like do you believe in um I want to use the example of running first actually because that's what I started with I tried to flip it for food just nice. because it's the Thank nutrition thing but yeah I want to leave it with running when I'm running I'm in the moment I can still get all these negative things even though I've only ran like five minutes 
you know, go back. And I just feel like quitting the whole time. Um, what what are you supposed to do in the moment when you have those sort of thoughts? What? I think, like all of these things, it's not easy, right? I think we have to all hold our hands up. There is no quick fix. You can't read this book and instantly, da-da, it's the same thing. I think you have to do the work. So I think it is over time, genuinely, trying to see what are the positives. You might still have those negative thoughts that are saying stop running. Mm. I think with running and most things, unlike your diet, it's different, but running is one of those things. I think if you can get out past those first five minutes, mm. it does start to make a difference. Mm. And then it's really training yourself and doing the work, literally doing the work as in when you come back to say, right, what did I genuinely enjoy about that thing? If you don't enjoy anything about it, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't run, mm. swim or cycle or go to Zumba or whatever it is you want to do. Whatever the, the you know, format there, isn't it? What's actually interesting about that is forethought which um, I've oh, read some. Yeah. yeah. Forethought links back to that. So it's basically you can cure your negative thoughts or how you feel about what you're going to do. So <clears throat> whether it's diet, like you're about to eat a chocolate cake, then after eating the chocolate cake, you feel bad. So before you actually do it, so before you run, you're forethinking why you're doing it. Why am mm -hmm. I running today? What am I doing it for? And then they the process afterwards. The, yeah. the antidote of impulsiveness is, is forethought. forethought. There you go. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's so true. And again, it requires a bit of work. And in, in the book, we talk about that journaling every day. Like, mm. I'm a big believer in that. I think you really have to make the effort when you go all in with these goals to start to train. Mm. I think it's your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Because we talk about, again, in the book, that you know we have this primitive part of our brain that's way more powerful than the human part of our brain. You know, 70,000 years ago, it was the cognitive revolution. So that sort of human part of our brain has only been around a blink of an eye in terms of evolution. And very often that, that primitive part of our brain has, does not give a shit about you going for a run mm. or saving for a house. All it cares about is getting your genes into the next generation and surviving long enough, which means save energy. Like, in its mind, why on earth would you go for a run? Mm -hmm. Or why wouldn't you eat that, like, fat, calorie-loading burger? Because that's survival food, right? Mm. That's full of calories. So all of these things are at play from that primitive part of your brain. So you have to manage that with the human part of your brain, and that very much is doing the work, is doing the journaling, is having the foresight, is doing the preparation. And it takes a bit of effort, but that's the sort of thing that makes lasting change happen. Can I just add, so one, one thing we haven't mentioned from your book, um, which is really uh, helpful, is, is the, uh, the, the, they're called the six streams of positivity. So when, when you obviously have the, the main goal, the overarching goal, I like how your book is basically making sure that your bread and butter, and I get you to explain those six streams um, but for example, one is like, how's your sleep? How's your movement? How's your clear thinking? So I like how you talk about those. And I realized when I was, I'd started using your book and my, my overarching goal um, to do a fitness and diet this month. When it first, after 10 days, when it went downhill is when I had a really, really bad night's sleep. And I really noticed that from looking at your book, because when you, you can explain how you, you journal and, and mark those streams of positivity. But, but that, was a was a real insight how I just came crashing down after just one night's bad sleep. But do do you want to explain what those six streams of positivity are? And and what? If you can't list them all, don't worry about it. Because I, I think, think I so well being oh, you can. No, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, they're all. Yeah, I'm intrigued. <laughs> they're all very straightforward. Yeah. But this is another classic mistake I think people make around motivation. So you get to New Year's Day and you do your long list and you sort of want to jump straight into the most burning goal, such as saving for your house. Mm. But actually, when you look at it and look at the science behind motivation. If you're sleeping really poorly, not moving your body, eating a crap diet, you don't have enough connection, you find no quiet time, the chances of you saving for a house are diminished, right? Because all of these fundamental, like, core elements, six streams of positivity, are not in place. So I talk about getting tactical with your, your goals. For example, if you want to lose weight or get super fit and healthy, the chances of that happening are much higher if you optimise your sleep. 
much higher. One, because sleep is one of the, there's so much science behind this, the best things you can do for your productivity and your motivation. Plus, you're actually genetically and your physiology processes food differently mm. if you're well rested. So you give yourself the best foundation possible. Another th part of that is a break from alcohol, a reduction in alcohol because you sleep better. So you can start to look at all these different core elements, which essentially are the elements of a life well lived anyway. Mm. If you're sleeping really well, moving your body, eating a nutritious diet, making connection with people, um, finding quiet time, you're sort of 80% of where you need to be in terms of a vibrant, healthy lifestyle anyway. And then saving for the house or powering up your career. These are the cherries on top. So it's a really foundational part of the book. It doesn't encourage people just to jump into their hot and happening, burning goal. It's like, no, just pause for a minute. Look at all these other elements, because if you get on top of them, mm. the chances of you then learning French or playing the guitar or saving for your house are exponentially higher. That's the yeah. idea. It's, in, it's interesting on the sleep thing. I was... I, well, Eric, Eric Thomas's quote, those who... Those who... Was it? What's the quote? Sleep for those... Sleep for those, or for those who are broken. Fuck right off then. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, but he, he's like, when Beyonce was on set... She, she didn't, didn't sleep, sleep for, for two, two days. days. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, for I really those like, who are broke. Yeah, I really like Eric Thomas, but his his chats it's really rubbish it's, about it's where, it's, sleep. If Tony Robbins didn't evolve, that's how he would sound. I I find so the sleep thing's really interesting because I think people might be hearing this right now, being like, oh for fuck's sake, I knew they say sleep's important. I can't ever get to sleep. Life is on fire. So like, I, and, and it is really hard. There are some people that just their brains are really worrying. I'm quite lucky. I only recently have experienced what insomnia feels like after coming up from Australia, waking up at 2 in the morning and the, the lights are on, right? Because it's it's 8 a.m. for yeah. me at that time, right? You're thinking, you're thinking. And I, I listened to a really good piece of advice. And this either is American woo-woo waffle or, if anyone is struggling, give this a try. This guy called Nia Yao does this thing that he swears by. And he, almost in a reframing way, if he wakes up at 3 in the morning, he just goes to himself over and over again, the body gets what the body wants. The body gets what the body wants. The body gets what the body wants because he's essentially convincing himself if he's awake and that's that's what his body wants. And if that doesn't work, and apparently that normally works, so he just sort of calms himself in this meditative, um, almost mantra that he repeats to himself. If that doesn't work, he does a thing where he sits down... Oh, sorry, he closes his eyes and he imagines speaking to each element that needs attention. So he goes, OK, uh, work, you're, you're anxious, what's going on? It sounds really weird, I'm saying it out loud, right? But... What's going on? Okay, right, so you're worried that this person's gonna come back to you. What, what does that mean for you? Okay, and do you promise if I if I talk to you right now that you'll just you'll let me go to, to go to sleep? Yeah? Okay, fine, let's talk about it then. So he addresses each part of his brain as if he was talking to a board of people. And and apparently he normally gets to the third thing and he passes out. And if that doesn't work, the third thing that he does, he always keeps a really boring book like Let's Do This by Andy Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> that will send anyone yeah, to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And he said, this is genius, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so much. You cured insomnia for him. No, but I thought, just because I think sleep is a really big problem for a lot of people, we had ambitions to get on a sleep coach as well. And I think the, what, what, it comes, what it came down to from Natalie, she said that really it's about taking time in your day. Because what happens is you get into bed and your brain whirs because you've just gone from meeting to meeting to call to call and you've read this book and you've been on your phone. So it's about de disconnecting from the stimulating world that we live in. Yeah, I mean, that's you've got the one of the positivity streams is clear thinking. And I think that that's what you're touching upon there is throughout the day, allowing yourself to have moments of, of stillness like Natalie suggested. Mm. So you're not taking all of those thoughts to bed with you. You're you're sitting on the couch as, it, without a TV on, without looking at your phone and then digesting those thoughts so you don't have to digest them at 3 a.m. Mm. Uh, so that is one of the streams yeah. that you talk about, the clear thinking. Oh, one. sorry, can I get these streams in? So clear thinking. Um, sleep, 
nutrition, movement, clear thinking, yeah. meditation, quiet time, connection, and a reduction okay. or a break from alcohol. Yeah. I, by the way, I haven't had alcohol this. I know it's just a fucking, you know, no drink January. Yeah. I don't do no drink January, but I just don't like drinking that much anyway. Mm. But since I've moved back to England, I've fucking been on the old pints. <laughs> since I've been back a lot, because he always takes me out. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's all his fault. In Jan, I've just had no drink, and it has made such a difference to my sleep, yeah. my diet. Um, how I feel, Diet. clear thinking. It makes a huge difference to my diet. It, it really does. does. It really does. And I think alcohol is at the root of a lot of this stuff. I think the two major things you can do for productivity, motivation, and if you want to change your diet, is optimize your sleep and take a break from alcohol. And taking a break from alcohol will help you optimize your sleep. I had two glasses of wine last night, and look, I I'm in a really good place with yeah. booze and food at the moment. Elliot who is Mr, you know, the partner of Rank. Yeah. Absolute machine when it comes to nutrition. I mean, we made a nutrition product together. Comes over and goes, oh, I've really fancy some pasta and some wine and a pizza. And I was like, fucking all three. He was like, yeah. So, and I, I can't, I never drink on a Tuesday night. I can't buy two glasses of wine. And I've never felt groggier. Two glasses. Yeah. But because I know on a Wednesday I'm really clear-headed, I was so groggy. And, yeah. I, and I, I felt... Like angry in the morning. I mean, just... Talk about willpower, but I mean, booze is a willpower eater. Yeah, isn't it? And that's the thing. So you have two drinks and then it's game over anyway, right? Yeah. Because all your willpower's out the window. That basically just gives that primitive part of your brain the mic. Self it just shuts down that human part of your mm. brain. But back to a couple of things you said there, Ollie, about sleep. Um, I do that exact same practice. Oh, really? The board of directors thing. Oh, no yeah. way. So, yeah. Can you talk? Because I did a bad job then, but can you talk me <laughs> through how yeah, so it's, no, you were, you were almost. Bang on. Um, Almost, same sort yeah. of thing. Not quite. Very close. I'll give you a four <laughs> out of ten. Out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the exact same practice. Same thing. And it's like an NLP, like a hypnotherapy, personal hypnotherapy technique, where you literally would address all those different things if there was um, all the, the, the work member of the CEO, if you know what I mean. So it's like, and you address it like you did really kindly and gently. Look, appreciate your input. I know you're looking out for me. I'll take that on board. Thanks very much. Are you done? Are you finished? Mm. You know, literally just go through this in your head and go around all the different things. It could be the to-do list board member. Yeah, acknowledge all the to-do lists. Thank you and move on. Actually, it's really powerful. Mm, and another thing on, on sleep, which is really important. So I, I, in the book, I talk about a guy called um, Nick Littlehouse, who is the sleep coach for Liverpool. Oh, right? wow. And look how Liverpool are performing at the moment. That wow. is the difference. Mm. When you go into these elite clubs, he was the sleep coach at Man United as well, Team, uh, team GB, sleep coach, Team Sky. They're doing wow. all these marginal gains. Mm. So he's brilliant, right? And the way he looks at sleep, and it took all the pressure off for me, it was like it's not all about one night. Mm. You have a weekly total and you can catch up. And he calls them controlled rest periods. So CRPs, right? Gives them a nice technical name. So it's not power napping, which sounds a bit 1980s snoozy, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, no, get your... so he, he power napping, your sloppy Joe jump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He said it he'll over here, like the, the Liverpool players saying, look, I had a bit of a late night last night, so I'm going to get my CRP in over lunchtime, which is a 30-minute. You can do it with your eyes open. You don't have to fully fall asleep. Oh. But it's, it's sort of changing that dynamic and changing the narrative because I think a lot of sleep as well is psychological, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'm awake. This is going to drive me nuts. I'm going to be performed terrible tomorrow. Whereas I think even if you can take some of that pressure away by looking at it differently, like mm. a weekly total, know that you can catch up during the day, even that pressure coming off a bit mm. actually allows you to sleep better yeah, is, the great, is the great irony. I'm, I'm worried that we haven't focused... That is really helpful, by the way. Thank you. And I, I like the idea of um, control risk period. I can feel a lot of me, the lazy version of me, really enjoying that. Um, nutrition, I just want to ask your opinion on this. Yeah. Do you eat meat? No. Fine. So I do the whole plant-based thing. Mm. Um, and the reason I do that is 
say six years ago, I stopped drinking. My dad had a treble bypass. Um, me and my two brothers both got checked out on the back of it. I was the only one that had effectively heart disease. I shouldn't have had heart disease. I did. I did a calcium score. They were zero. Two brothers, one older, one younger. I had early heart disease, effectively. At this time, I was freestone heavier. Body fat was 35%, drinking, basically everything you could possibly do, living the stressful, broken lifestyle. Um, so I researched diets, the best one for me, the most healthy diet for me, and reducing um, heart disease and it was the plant-based diet. So it wasn't because of the ethical thing or the environmental thing, I just did it for health reasons. Mm. And because I'd already transformed my relationship with alcohol, I was already a social pariah. Mm. So I thought I might as well just throw in the, throw in the vegan yeah, cool. thing as well. I might as well go it down as well. I know, I was, I was just ahead of the, the curve, <laughs> but what's really interesting about that story is that I went to see the cardiologist and basically put me on some statins. They do, I went back a year later, nothing had changed, I was embarrassed. I remember as I walked to see him, I passed a Donna kebab shop and I thought, Oh, my, this could be the last donor I ever get to have. Straight in large donor, please. What time was it in the day? Oh, this was like lunchtime. <laughs> well, and I wasn't even drunk. You're a cardiologist and you yeah. got the donor kebab. Donna kebab yeah, yeah, yeah. last one. I thought it might be the last <laughs> one I ever get that to happens. have. When you have a really stressful doctor appointment, you kind of, you get really defeatist, don't you? I know my dad said um, he's got diabetes and he's, he said he had a really hard time and he just <laughs> went and just like, I'm just going to eat anything I can now. Like yeah, yeah, just, it, was, it was like, because if whatever he tells me, this could be the end of it. Yeah, you know? and, and right you enough, got the I, last chance. Yeah, I got in there and he said, you know, you've got heart disease. I was like, shit. Anyway, fast forward a year, I go back in again, I've stopped drinking, lost freestanding weight, body fat's below 10%, doing the plant-based thing. And as I walked into his room, he, he just said, your results are astounding. He said astounding three times in a row. He just yeah. went, this is astounding. <laughs> he could see that I'd lost all the weight yeah, and looked at my, my resting heart rate had gone from 68 down to 44, athlete 44 again. And uh, he said, I, I've checked your results and your heart disease... You've, you've stopped it, you've paused it. He said, but I was so interested. I called in the radiographer that does all the research and we looked at your results again and you've reversed your heart disease. So, how, uh, so, yeah, so, gonna, so is that food? Uh, is that mm, plant-based food? It like? could have been a combination of all, but I mean, very much so, I think, led by the plant-based. I, th I think I there's think a lot of research behind you're that. The, I feel really comfortable having the vegan conversation with, with Andy, yeah. having... Because I feel like you're, when I see you, you're very, you've got a lot of energy, very healthy guy, mm. looks like you're very fit and you've got the energy from what you're, from what, what you're you eat. I was going to say, yeah, that's what, nutrition, like, what do you think about nutrition when it links to, like, your goal setting? Because I've got a friend who actually messaged me this morning. Um, his girlfriend is unhappy with her body at the minute, but she's not doing anything nutrition, nutritional-wise to help her achieve her you know her body goal that she wants yet that then affects her work life that then affects yeah. her goal setting she can't uh, you know because she's so behind in everything else so it's just interesting to link nutrition back to the let's book. do this yeah, to yeah. and I think it is that type of thing I think nutrition is incredibly difficult because we've got these inherent biases towards high fat high sugar foods right from this evolutionary perspective like our central nervous system has no idea it still thinks we're out in savannas mm. so if it, it prizes high fat high sugar calorie dense foods it just does so i think it's incredibly difficult another really interesting thing about sugar and diet when people um take a break from alcohol for example there's this craving of sugar mm. so i started to research this i thought this is interesting and it all comes back to willpower so i think what happens is when you um exert willpower it uses up a lot of glucose in the brain so I think you naturally uh, crave sugar. Wow. So I the think lots of sugar and alcohol, I guess. Well. well, exactly. But the irony of that is, if you're trying to remove sugar, for example, from your diet, you need willpower mm. 
to it. So you get hit with a double whammy. Not oh, only wow. are you trying to r remove sugar. And then the willpower comes. Wow, so you're okay. now craving really sugar to get over it. So I think that those type of, so inherently, I think anything around the diet is incredibly difficult. So that's why I think it's really important if you can to align with a tribe. I like the idea of being paleo or mm. keto or plant-based because actually it narrows your choices. Yeah. I think too much choice is such a difficult thing to manage because that temptation's there all the time. So for me, being in the plant-based box made it so much simpler for me. It was hard. It took a while to get there mm. and a lot of preparation. And something I will come to, which is really important about nutrition, any goal, it's not about being perfect. And I think people get so obsessed with that. If they say, oh, I'm doing this plant-based thing, and they have a burger, all of their friends will go, uh, knew it. She said, you're a vegan. And like, so what? I've just had a burger. It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? But that, we trip over that all the time. Yeah. We go, oh, yeah, I've blown it. Yeah. I, can't, I can't say I'm like a plant-based vegan. So Martin, you had that problem, didn't you, Ian, recently? Yeah, you when got you were... salty yeah. for Christmas. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, the, the struggle I had with it, when I agree with, that's what my theory, actually, before I even heard you just say it then, was to like, okay, I'm not happy with how I'm eating, so let's just focus on uh, plant-based, whatever. And obviously it was on the back of Game Changers, which I think a lot of people... Yeah, that's, that's A lot of huge. people, yeah, changed... A lot of people tried to adopt the diet. So my experience was, um, yeah, I'm part of a tribe I don't want to be a part of because, and I've been guilty of it. Um, it's just annoying, to be quite honest, because you're at a dinner party and someone's cooking meat. I can't expect them not to. So am I going to really have a Christmas dinner where I'm going to eat um, potatoes, a Yorkshire pudding, and, a, you know, some, some sprouts? Yeah, I tried it, and throughout the dinner everybody's kind of questioning you know are you enjoying your dinner and, and i have to be honest no i'm not and <laughs> and it's like those kind of things i found annoying because i don't like sticking out as a person so i don't like i don't like trying to be different with like how i'm eating whatever just wound me up and yeah i struggled with it and as soon as i kind of like to started eating fish to be fair i've not really eaten much i've had I've eaten meat about three times in three months, um, and I've been eating fish and eggs since then. So I'm kind of doing that, but I don't think it's helping. I don't think it's helping me lose weight or anything like that, to be completely honest. Because I I found that <laughs> crisps aren't vegan and carbs. A lot of like carbs, you get mm. there's there must be an introduction to vegan where you put on a little bit of weight. I think because you start like eating safe foods like pasta and bread and carbs mm. that potentially aren't yeah. vegan. Yeah, I think just on the the whole diet thing and nutrition thing, I think what's really important is that you care what you eat more so than what it is in, in many ways. I think so many people eat mindlessly mm. or they just eat whatever's in front of them, whatever. But I think once you care a bit, like you're, you're starting to really take an interest in what you eat, mm. I think it matters slightly less what it is because now you're conscious of whether it's eggs or fish or plant-based. And also I think, and again, back to my point, it's not about being perfect. I think especially around the plant-based thing, if it's an ethical thing, I get it, right? You can't because you've just got such a powerful why. I could not eat that because of animals or, what, or whatnot. But I think when it's coming from a health point of view or a productivity point of view, you can allow yourself a bit of flexibility if you end up 90% or Christmas Day. Oh, it's Christmas Day. I actually mm. had some turkey. It was yeah. terrible. Dad's turkey was awful. Oh, yeah. That's so true, actually, about the resentment that you kind of get. Because I think if you make it hard socially, that's, gonna, that's another thing that's going to go against you. But equally, if you're not really part of the tribe, that's really hard. Yeah, so like, then it's a lose-lose. What, what was that saying? Uh, how do you how do you tell if someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot There's a lot of that. And actually, I, I'm finding that the, the stigmatism around veganism is starting to decrease with things like Game Changers. In fact, it's now becoming cool. I mean, this year, 
going to Waitrose, going to any of the shops. Oh, yeah, it's massive. Everywhere, veganuary, yeah. yeah. Massive. Like, like KFC, he's vegan burger. Yeah. Like, Greg's vegan Sostrol. McDonald's have just released vegan McNuggets. Have they? Wow. Yeah. Big in the game. But, but everyone's really annoyed because they're using that same mixed bean mix, apparently, they use for everything. So they want, everyone wants yeah. um, corn. I don't know if corn stocks were probably good last year because yeah. they're being used for everything. But everyone wants like the corn chicken, but they've tried to use that little. You know, sometimes they take shortcuts, don't they, with the vegan stuff? Like that, it's just like putting little beans in a. Or in it's a, just pastry. Yeah, it's just. It yeah. <laughs> but the, the corn stuff's really nice. Like the Greg sausage roll is, is really good. <laughs> the Greg sausage roll is good. The vegan sausage roll. Some is of the burgers, the Impossible Burger. Oh yeah, 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 they are unbelievable. Insane. Mm. Good, and I think. You know, for the environment and all these things, if you're into that, I think that the whole plant-based thing is really interesting. Not necessarily good for you, though, the stuff they put in the book. No, that is so that's that type of extra processed stuff, yeah. I think you're not really adding that no. much value. I think you have to do it in the right way. But again, I think around diet, it's about narrowing your choices if you can mm. and then giving yourself a bit of flexibility. Well, let's be more creativity, because why? Like, one thing that the carnivals, uh, like me and my kind in my tribe, that I'm very proud of. Joe Rogan, by the way, is celebrating oh, well, carnival month. See that thing? Yeah, but he's it? having a lot of diarrhoea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that, apparently, so Joe Rogan is, is uh, pledged to only eat meat. Only meat. So the, the, he had a piece of bacon and a steak. Now it's his breakfast. Yeah. That's my kind of power right there. Yeah, powerful. But he said, what did he say? He said they had constant diarrhea. Well, so the only, to be fair, what I found really interesting, he was like, I've got more energy than normal. I've got all of this. And I think there is a, I hate to say it, there's a little bit of placebo effect with anything that you start yeah. to And this is day 12. So I don't know if that, and that is perfect timing to, oh my God, my life's changing so much. <laughs> and maybe he's just shitting everything out, which is faster for 12 <laughs> days. But he said that, yeah, he's, he's more energetic or whatever. And the only experience he's having that's negative is, is diarrhea. But... I don't know. I feel like a lot of the again, it's a fad and it's a diet, and nobody can live off purely purely meat. Because mm. how are you going to? There's so many things you don't get into your diet. No, exactly. And I think like all of these things, uh, and again back to the, the diet, it has to be something that you enjoy. Yeah. And you'll work it out yourself. Like for me, so when I started on the, the plant based thing, you know, I thought I needed meat to be a man, all that sort of mm. stuff. I assumed I'd need meat, and I played around with it, went vegetarian, eventually the vegan thing. But the reason I did it ultimately because I felt much better, and I had more energy. And I got slim and, and, you know, my muscles didn't all disappear and all that sort of stuff. So I thought I'll keep going. Um, so I think that's the key with any diet that actually makes you feel good. And, and you can stick to it. If it's too faddish and it's too extreme, mm. no one's ever going to stick to it. It's the same with exercise. If your exercise routines are too extreme, people just don't stick to it because they don't enjoy it. So I think it's all about being conscious of what you eat and then doing the planning mm. and the preparation like I talk about in the book. Andy, how important is movement and your morning? So when you get up in the morning, starting your morning right, whether it's starting with a glass of water instead of your coffee, um, how important is that? Yeah, I think morning routine... Well, the morning's changed my life on a personal note. Um, I didn't think I had any time. I stopped drinking and I found half an hour in the morning, which became an hour, which became two hours. You, know, you can change your life in two hours a day. You can change the world in two hours a day before the world's awake because it's protected time. And I think if we, if we go back to the willpower example, mm. as the day progresses, you have less and less willpower because you're using it throughout the day. That's why I think the gym sessions for a lot of people in the evenings are way harder oh, than so in the morning, right? Yeah. Because by the time you get to the evening, it's like, blimey, I think I've had enough. You flake. Yeah, exactly, right? The, the thoughts of it actually happening are, are diminished. Whereas in the morning, your willpower tanks are full for anyone that's got any sort of willpower challenge. Mm. You've got more energy. So I think where possible, I know it's not always possible. Like the moment I'm jumping up at 5 a.m. to get into the city for 7, it's not, I'm not going to start getting up at 4.30 to exercise. That's too, too extreme. Course, yeah. But because I've learned those habits and those routines, I know I'll squeeze in exercise somewhere into my day. So where possible, do as much as you can in the morning. Just on the habits front, because that's the one thing I got from listening to this podcast the other day that I thought was a bit mind-changing-y, 
is the difference between habits and routine. Yeah. A lot of people speak about their habits, and people go, okay, well, if to, to therefore, to be successful, I need to have habits. There's a difference. Habits, uh, by definition, are apparently what you do mindlessly. It takes no thought, and you're, you're, you're doing it. Routine does take willpower. And I think that's it's important to, to speak about, because I think everyone thinks that habits just change when you decide they want to change them. Yeah. But actually, a lot of them are, like you said earlier, about the, you know, the first 28 days, is, is helping them become mindless tasks. But you can't just expect your routine to become habits in a week. Oh, absolutely. That's important. I and that's true. And I always say winging it doesn't work, right? And there's an assumption that we just make these lovely rational choices in our mind, like I'm going to exercise every day, and mm. it just doesn't happen, right? Maybe it happens for the first three or four days because you assume that routine will become a habit, but it doesn't. It's all about repetition. It's all about consistency. And again, I talk about this in the book. It's not about being perfect, right? And one of the important discoveries in the book is that failure is part of the process, Whatever it is you want to do, if you want to go plant-based, you want to change your diet, start exercising, you will fail. There will be days when you have the burger or the, the turkey at Christmas or whatever, um, and it's inherently baked into the process. So I looked at the research, and there's a, um, a change model called the stages of change model or the behavioral change model, and this guy called James Prochaska did a lot of research around smokers predominantly, but this model looks like a perfect circle. So it sort of feeds the cultural myth of perfection. You get in one end, you decide to change, you come out the other side and you've changed. But when you look at his research on smokers, it was actually taking them four or five times around the loop. Mm -hmm. So it's not a circle, it's a corkscrew. So what does that tell us? Like failures baked into the change yeah. process. So whatever it is you're going to do, you're going to fail, mm -hmm. but it's the people that are consistent. So back to the routines thing. If you've got a routine, you keep coming back to that routine. That's what the book's all about. Eventually, over time, will that will become a habit. habit. Yeah. So, so, I love that. So with, so with your book then, how do you bring people back in? So say uh, three days in, or you've been talking about day 19 is failure day or whatever, uh, when people give up habits. So say, say you're four days into this new sort of eating regime, um, and you've, you've had a real bad day, how do you bring it back in? What's your recommendation for people that sort of fall off the wagon with a new sort of diet? Um, and then, yeah, how do you bring it back yeah, in? Yeah, so within the book, that's what I'm trying to do, almost get some of that stuff up front, like failure is part of the process, and almost get that into people's mindset. Not and I, and I agonised over that, right, because I thought, hold on, if I have that conversation up front, does that give people licence yeah. to, to say. slip up? And I've seen this around alcohol, right? So I was at the real cold face of that, and it was a really delicate subject. I was like, hold on, if I keep talking about people slipping up before they've slipped up, am I just giving them subconscious mm -hmm. licence to slip up? But it's such an important, and I've seen the science as well behind it, it's much more important to have those conversations up front to be prepared for when it happens, because then you can treat yourself kindly, dust yourself off, and come back. Whereas if you don't have those conversations, everyone slips into that perfectionist mindset, they trip up, they say, I've failed, I'm useless, I'm rubbish, everyone else is perfect, then you don't see them again. Mm. And that's the worst thing that can ever it's happen. It's important you say that, yeah, because I, I could, having listened to that, would say I, I have this perfectionist mindset, but no one would look at me and think I'm a perfectionist because I don't think I am. But when it comes to trying to instill that thing, I do think if I haven't done it the best possible way, I haven't done it, and I might as well give it up, which is just obviously... Um, leads to a lack of consistency. It just means that you keep trying to start again and then you never actually... Yeah, so I, I talk it. about streaking with a twist in, in this. Not to be confused Sounds sexual. With, not to be confused with naked <laughs> twister. It's not Street, naked it was, twister. It was about 180 legs. I sprinted across the place. It's more the twist, I was thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and what I mean by that is that you count your streak of days that you're plant-based or you're changing your diet or you're moving your body... 
And the twist is that if you slip up, you just mark it as a blip and keep going, yeah. rather than constantly it's come being back kind to, day to one. yourself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and just be, and acknowledging the fact that you probably will slip up. Everyone else does. It's baked into the science. It's baked into change. And to get people out of a perfectionist mindset, that is the number one thing that holds people back. Mm-hmm. Whether they're changing their diet or taking a break from alcohol or whatever it is, or moving their body, they'll exercise every day for nine days, miss a day and go, that's it, I failed. How is that a failure? Yeah. It's, it's the loss of momentum, isn't it? It's the feeling of like, where and the streaks and, you know, uh, there, are, there are even apps now that are created to kind of reward you even for meditation. And nine days, yeah. Oh, yeah, or ten sleep days, yeah. streaks. Mm. And, and even when I look at that, I feel bad. Like, I'm missing funny. one day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, it it do does feel quite guilty. Like the though. sleep, like the CRP or C, whatever it was called, it, you know, you can have good, three and a good night's sleep in a row and you have a shit one. And then, you've, and then the next night would crap as well because you're beating yourself up the last night. Whereas if you go, oh, actually, this is a weekly thing. Or a monthly total. Yeah, exactly. It so makes such a difference. If you, rather than counting the streaks, you, you count uh, 19 out of 20. Yeah. Right? <laughs> rather than, oh, shit, I've got 19. Mm. That was that. Or 28 days with two blips. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're still making progress. Yeah, yeah, I did with your, with your, um, someone's pointing in your face. This is what <laughs> I did with your, with your 28 day alcohol free time. By the way, I did two of them last year, which I was good man, but that's brilliant. Of. Yeah, so I got battered in December to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's not brilliant. No, no, not at all. But what I did, um, uh, find really valuable in, in the book, sorry to go back to that, but, and this, this can be related to diet as well, if I'm bad day on the burgers, is that you, if there are things that you really, really know that you're going to drink it and you're going to resent for not drinking at, then you put on two days at the end. So you take that one day out and you put two on at the end. For me, I found that made the process a lot more enjoyable. Mm. And actually, I did it again because I didn't resent it. Because I knew I had a wedding in the middle of November. I wanted to do a dry November. I went, right, I, I know I'm going to drink that day. So I'll do. I'll start three days before and I'll finish one day yeah. later. So I put four days in for one day drinking in there. Interesting, that. When I, the Muslims, when I used to, when I played in Asia, the Muslims, when they fasted, so we had to play, the season was during a fasting month. So mm. in the days that they had games, they would eat, but they would add on the days oh, after. The yeah, so they did the exact same. So interesting. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. interesting. All yeah. oh, right, yeah, I see. So that they could still perform. Yeah, so, at, yeah, uh, so they still perform that amount of fasting so even, they're meant to perform in during Eid. And Andy are yeah. open to these things. Uh, yeah, yeah it must be right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. <laughs> and, and this just goes back to that same thing, isn't it? I think it's giving yourself the space to get things a bit wrong or be tactical. And then from that awareness, you get a chance to change. And again, all of that just re- removes some of that perfectionist mindset. That is absolutely key. And I think that would help you a lot in terms of. No, what I you're agree. To... This, this yeah, is exactly yeah. what our podcast is about struggle, learn, repeat. If you have checked out the, uh, the yeah. old books. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's preventing yourself from being too hard on yourself, which I'm guilty of. And I think a lot of people are, is, is if you have that perfection mindset, you can't live up to perfection. Nobody's perfect. So if you're just kicking yourself for missing one thing and punishing yourself by sending yourself into a spiral, it's, it's really negative. But so. what, what's interesting about it as well, that other people see it as well. For example, I'm sure if you said to your friends, right, I'm going plant-based, and then four days into it, you meet them in the pub or whatever, and then you have a burger because you're starving. Yeah. All of your friends will go, oh, yeah, yeah, oh I hate that. 100%. You're a loser. Yeah. You know, and they want you to fat. You yeah, know, it's, it's, want you to it's, it's, it's frustrating that because it's like, hold on, I, well, I've just had a burger, so what? <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow I'll go plant-based again, and then maybe six months down the line, I'll still be plant-based. Yeah, exactly. So it's important to be, to be anyone that is doing these diets this month. Not that we... Uh, I don't think I'm a bastard of diets anymore, but I think if you're trialling out with a new with a new way of fueling your body... Mm. Um, you're equipped now to 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 sort of piss off the naysayers who come up to you and be like, but about well, the, the response has got to be, well, what's failure then? Define failure. Yeah. Is it what you're currently yeah. doing? Or <laughs> because I can try this again. But then again, you're not you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. Oh, very true. No, but I think we're we're you such social animals, aren't we? We're we're highly pressured by other people. Of course, we're, you yeah. know, even we, we do a lot of research around alcohol, and the number one reason 
that people cite for not taking a break is social pressure. It was like 85% of people. Um, it's huge, you know, social pressure. So it's the same with diet as well, isn't it? Especially, I think, when you start to remove meat, for example. There's that whole macho thing that goes with that, and same with alcohol. So I think we are influenced by other people, so it's mm. important. And actually what you said there is really, really impressive. I think the retort to that is define success. What is success mm. to you? Because to me, it's trying to trying eat this to way as many days as I can. Fail, learn, fail, learn, fail, exactly. learn, fail, learn. I like that. Are you learn, well read on, well read on the, the vegan meat argument then? Because I did want to kind of talk about it because I think we're, we're, I'm still really confused by it now, even more so post-game changes. And then, did it's you see the... Biased, to be honest well, we, spoke, we said earlier that... that Joe the, Rogan the, the thing. The problem we have a lot is that the people who are sat in between the, both the arguments, they watch these documentaries... And they literally just quote what they hear from yeah. the documentaries. Like there's, you know, there's no proven. Yeah, it's like you just hear loads of different noise, and then you, you believe that one day, and you don't the other. Yeah, like, I just make a point on this because yeah. I feel quite bad throwing an into some. But I, I've because of rank, I've dived quite heavily into nutrition recently, and and the one thing I'm finding is for every. Ali and I sort of launched business friends. Yeah, but. It has made me go, right, what, what does this all mean? And f what I've learned is for everything in nutrition, there is something against it. So I just, I really think that the conclusion of this is personalization and it's what works for you. And like we're saying, like yeah. with this, it's trial and error. I, I genuinely think it's an ancestral thing that if some people grew up in Africa gnawing on biltong for 3,000 years, their body makeup is going to probably require more B12 in their diet than anybody else. If somebody grew up in... Italy eating pasta and broccoli, I don't know, whatever it is, they have more carbs. I just think it's our body makeup and we have to work it out ourselves. Mm. And I don't think... I think you're right, politically, you know, for society, plant-based diets, and a, and a majority of people are, by the sounds of it, enjoying those diets, with an addition every now and then of a bit of meat and fish or whatever. But I don't know if it's a one-size-fits-all rule for either. No, I, do you know what? I think that's a brilliant point. I totally buy into that as well. I think genetically, we are all predisposed to a certain type of diet, mm. whether that's more meat or fish or plant-based. So, again, I think you have to experiment yeah. to sort of figure it out for yourself what works and then stick to it. You'll sort of know if you can, if you listen to your body, yeah. you know what feels good. It's exactly the same as the educational system. I'm going to randomly bring that up. But, like, it, that's kind of fucked at the moment, isn't it? Because you sort of, you're given these boxes that you've got to sit in and you don't really get a chance to trial and fail. It's actually more popular in Australia to try and fail with your career. It's normal to try four different careers, apparently, over there. Whereas here, we have the social pressure of university and Oxford and Cambridge. I think the same thing applies to diets here. I think we should give free reign to people to work out what works for their body as fuel rather than what tastes nice and what I want to put in my body. And if we applied that to diet and even education... God, I'm going to go for Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that, would, that yeah. would help. Yeah, no, I think it would. Because yeah. I'm learning a lot about what you're saying. It would help sell rank if you're a PM, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make that sort of like Jamie Oliver does, you know, lunches at school. Oh. You have to have your rank in there. I'm wary that we've got sort of five minutes left. Yeah, so. I just wanted... So, so somebody wants to start, and using the kind of tools you've put in here, um, they want to start losing weight, calorie deficit, or they just want to start eating... Uh, better than they currently do? How, what do they need to do? I think the key part to all of this is to plan and to prepare. It sounds a bit anal and a bit over the top, but back to all the good points that popped up in the podcast today, it really is important that you do the work prior to this, especially around diet, because there is that natural temptation, as I've said, to certain types of food that you journal. I know, again, journaling sounds a bit over the top, but... This is, you know, it's really important to do that foundational work. Can we? Can you elaborate on the journaling you're talking about? Because you've got a specific um, format 
in your book for journaling. Yeah, really good point. Thank you for allowing me to elaborate because um, this is not Adrian Mole, Dear Diary style yeah. journaling. Right. It's really like journaling with intention, within focus, just to set up your day on the front foot rather than be in reactive mode, you're in proactive mode. So it's about listing out the steps that you need to take to achieve your goal task on a daily basis. There's a formula within the book that you'll find out, but it only literally takes one or two minutes. Yeah. That's the secret to journaling. It has to be super quick, otherwise people don't do it. So just mm. to add on, yeah, yeah. so so, so your, the, the, how it works, because I, I did it, the other day so first you mark your uh, your six stream positivity out of 10 never use a seven because seven is always a cop-out number that's right yeah <laughs> and then um you would write your goal every day in the morning reinforce it before you've looked at your phone or whatever and then it you ask yourself the question what am i going to do today to to, to, to i should be your salesman you should actually what am i going to do today to bring me towards that goal and mm. you'd write that in the morning to reinforce and then um you you obviously in the evening you then look back at what you've done today to reinforce the goal. But it is, like you said, it's very key to have a specific format for journaling because sometimes you can end up being in a flow and you just write a load of rubbish and waffle and jargon. Yeah. But if you have, like, one sentence there, one sentence there, I find like, it a lot easier. It sounds like completing your micros to, to, to gain your macro goal, right? So yeah, yeah. small habits to then exactly. ultimately get to your main habit. Exactly. Yeah. With that, just really quickly, because I do think that sounds really good and it sounds really actionable, I do think there is also value in mindless writing because I think yeah, some yeah, people yeah. need to do that before they get to that point you need yep. to almost expend everything that's in your mind I I mean I've got this bigger pad now but I'll write for about half an A4 and it will be like oh I'm feeling really shit today slept badly but about, I, I always enjoy that part so I always think this is a really really good actionable way of making it productive but also maybe encouraging to, to write um, absolutely and the, so the bit that i do is the real core bit so it's the it's the minimal 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 you can do because i know most people can do that and if they want to add on freestyle journaling wonderful because i think it all adds to the whole process and some people like to journal for an hour but i know if i didn't make mine two three minutes long people just wouldn't do it yeah but i journal for way longer than just the two minutes although i do that process every morning i will then like you just write that sort of cathartic act of just letting it flow and see what comes up yeah. and then play around with ideas. I think it's really important to get what's in your head onto the page before the day begins. If you can, I think that's really I try important. I do it once a week. I think, yeah, I, I try and do it once a week on Monday just to write um, what's on my head. Because normally I, I find the feeling of Monday is so different to the feeling of Saturday and Sunday that I'm in a completely different mindset and need to reflect on the weekend and the week before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is like, for the 28 days, it's, yeah, 28 days of um reinforcing that goal so you're talking about like you said the most i think it's really important to do free journaling but yeah. this is specifically like yeah. okay i'm intru- i'm going plant-based so what would i do today to bring me to, to being to having a plant-based diet it could be oh, i learned two new recipes or something like that it's mm. just every day checking in twice a day um to to check in with yourself yeah. are you still trying to get towards that yeah with well, the, the dream of reinforcing that habit so it starts to run an autopilot at the end of the 28 days i mean things like diet and taking a break from alcohol inherently take a bit longer but hopefully by the end of 28 days or two months it's starting to run on autopilot because like i said at the very start you're starting to become someone yeah. Yeah. that sort of eats plant-based or you're becoming someone that moves their body then you can move on to the next goal and the next goal but the whole dream just to wrap it up is that there's a process and what's really interesting about this so each time you start a new goal you're not starting from a blank page which we inherently do it's like hey i'm going to transform my diet now i'm going to try and do something completely different like save for a house as if it's two separate things this is give you a process that you just tweak and then you just drop goals 
into the process. Because mm. whether you're saving for a house or you're changing your diet, the process is the same. The journaling is the same. The way that you think about what mm. you're trying to do is the same. So you get better and better at the process over time. You just keep dropping goals in. Nice. I love that. Ta-da. Keep winning. I love that. Keep winning. I love that. I'm going to ask you a quick question because I've not asked it before. Come, I'm going to oh, sorry, hello, fans and listeners. Um, what do you hate that the rest of the world loves? What do I hate that the rest of the world loves? That is a really good question. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't oh. mean that. I meant... <laughs> I meant if you did not just say what Ian just did. Ian, for the purpose of the listeners, um, Ian just mouthed blowjobs. No, um, I meant drinking, I meant drinking. Because uh, that is... Uh, and you've really helped me out there. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Although I was, I was confused. I thought, is that a blowjob or is that yeah. drinking? What did you do? But Ian's drinking... You'll tonight. never know. I love not drinking. Right. And I, I, and I think, at the moment, culturally, probably 80% of the population loves drinking. Yeah. Well, as agreed to disagree there, Andy. I've loved yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd say that 28 day break is definitely worth it, and I'd encourage even 90. Maybe I'll do that this year. Who knows? Yeah, let's do it. Well, mate, thank you so thank much. You so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, really guys. exciting, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing your next book. Where can yes. our listeners find your book? And where, yeah, Amazon, Amazon or we say good or bookstores. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Amazon <laughs> bookstores. No, Andy can have this one. Okay, go on. Amazon um, bookstores. Yeah, and then I'm on all the socials. Andy Ramage official. Right. Perfect. Ramage. He's a very positive person to to follow. Yeah. I've followed other people, and but yours always give me a little bit of a smile. Oh, nice. Thank Don't you. forget to like and subscribe to Dark Days. Thank you guys for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, at the Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week. It's not a end way. These are the dog days. It's not a end